Hey guys, welcome back to Grounded by Science. This is Coach James here with another episode. In today's podcast, we have Coach Russ. Coach Russ is the head basketball coach for Bishop Snyder High School in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, and he's a very young coach. Uh, I found I find him very fascinating um, in his coaching style, uh, how he communicates to his players, and setting the expectations to raising a bar to a very young uh, program. So I hope that you guys enjoy. Here we go. Left off with Wildwood, Wildwood mm-hmm. number one in the state. Um, last year we had guys like Corey Walker. Mm-hmm. Don't have them this year, mm-hmm. but you're still able to take a group of guys, five guys, against the number one team, and we're not supposed to. You know, you're not. You just said Bishop Snyder's not supposed to be in this in this in this mm-hmm. conversation. Right. <laughs> So it's almost like this, like the story of like not a Cinderella story, but it's mm-hmm. like, oh, coaching does matter. Right. It it does matter. It matters a lot. Mm-hmm. The more you're prepared as a coach, the more you prepare them. How does how have you seen that transition from last year to this year? Um, I think what we did a good job was a good job of setting a standard and setting a culture here. And those guys kind of knew what to expect coming into this year, whether we had a top 50 player or not, you know, the guys kind of have a standard, just like anywhere else, you know, if you sign with, let's say Georgia, whoever it is, when you go into camp, you already know exactly what to expect and, and everything. So I think the guys here, they just did a good job of, accepting the standard and you know um guys that were in different roles last year stepping up to bigger roles this year you mentioned standards um and obviously playing to you you're playing to like a certain skill set you're trying to make sure they understand the scheme and everything that you're trying to put out but then you have the other side the injury prevention side the weight training side how have you seen those guys transform from last year to this year with their strength training program? Has it been more serious? Has it been more effective? Well, yeah, um, I thought this summer um, our leadership um, from our senior leader, Jossie Powell, did a great job of making sure that Kids all monster. the guys, yeah, man, I think he did a great job of making sure that all the guys were in the weight room and they understood just how important the weight room was. And he kind of led by example. You know, um, you could see his body change throughout the whole time. Yeah, throughout the spring and summer. And then you start seeing little glimpses of him being able to dunk um, heading into the season. And then when the season came here, he was throwing it down. So um, I thought the off-season program was, was really, really beneficial for our guys, and they took that serious. 
Um, and with all the explosion and explosive work that they were able to do um, this summer, you're definitely seeing that translate onto the court. The One of the biggest transformations we saw was Jalen Gilmore's body. Right. Um, how's he playing? Uh, he's been playing well. Good. Um, kind of hit like a sophomore slump, I guess, if you will, but he's kind of working his way out of it. Um, but I, it just comes with the maturity in basketball, you know, knowing every night you can't take a night off and knowing the work and everything that it really takes into putting um, a great product on the floor because um, just as hard as I work, the teams that we're playing are good teams, so their coaches work equally as hard. So if you know I know what the other team is going to do, best believe they know exactly <laughs> what we're going to do as well. So he's just had to make that adjustment to team scouting him and knowing um, his mm -hmm. tendencies and things like that. But I think he's done a good job of coping with it throughout the season, and you know, hopefully he'll you know, finish strong here towards the end. For sure. Um, and I... You, 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 I see the, I see, and I, so I watch, I watch you sometimes more than I watch the game because I'm so intrigued on how you're coaching. Sometimes you don't say anything. Mm -hmm. It's just full observation and then you make your adjustments uh, on, on, on breaks or, or you're up and you're in their face and you're letting them know that whatever's going on is, is not acceptable or this is the way it should be done. You're, you're applauding them. And where did that come from? Like, how is, <laughs> how is that coaching style? Because I see a little bit of that even in, in myself where I'll, I won't necessarily say anything. Mm -hmm. I want them to make the mistake and then we're going to correct them. Where did that, where did that come from? Um, and I, honestly, I think it came from my dad. <laughs> really? Yeah, my dad, when I was younger, he coached me when I was younger all the way up until like the middle school, well, I'll say like my seventh or eighth grade year, that's when he stopped coaching me. But he was kind of like that type of coach in a sense to where he would let me make a mistake and then, um, you know, correct me after it, especially at a young age. It was times where I would get in the car and I would just hear an earful of, about <laughs> everything that I did wrong in the game. He would have like a list of, 30 different things that I'm doing in the game. I'm like, dang, dad, like, there's no way possible I can correct all 30 things right now. But, you know, it's, I think that's where it kind of came from. And then um, my high school coach actually was a big-time, like, disciplinarian and, like, rah-rah type uh -huh. guy. So I think it came from a mix of that. And then over the years, just guys who had coached me throughout the years, um, I just – kind of picked and pulled different strategies and styles from yeah. those type people. Like, I still talk to my college coach to this day just about once a week on just different things that I can do to get through to the guys and everything. College coach. Who was college coach and where did you go to college? Cliff Warren. Um, I went to Jacksonville University. Amazing. And now the former head coach here is now the assistant at Jacksonville, head, at Jacksonville University, yeah. Vince Martin, mm -hmm. um, who I've grown fond of and again another brilliant mind when it comes to working with guys and understanding how to pull them in different strings and you were saying how you just you guys talk every day mm -hmm. and you're you're picking each other's brains and you're 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 learning so much more and you're and but your dad sounds like me <laughs> when when I'm with my son right mm -hmm. like sometimes I won't say anything where I'll I'll give him some constructive feedback and it's mm -hmm. it was a positive game 
But then it was, you know, those 30 things where we just dig in. Like, how are you forgetting all of these things that we've discussed? Um, but he has a really good coach. Um, but those are hard to find. Mm-hmm. And you can applaud your dad. You can applaud your college coach. You can applaud, you know, Vince and, and guys that you see on TV and, and, the little, and guys in the AAU realm. And you can see all of those things, and it's. I find more coaching now way more fascinating than I did three years ago, four years ago. I don't. There's just this art that's and science kind of behind it of being able to really effectively communicate mm-hmm. to kids. We have to put ourselves in their shoes. You've been there. I've been there. I'm a little bit older. <laughs> But you've been there, so you can say, I know how to relate to... How are you able to stay relatable to them? Um, I think, like you just said, just being honest, the age factor does play a part. <laughs> right, because I right. like to say, um, um, even outside of basketball, I've always said, like, my generation, we're like the middle people where... That middle child. I, right, that middle child where I know exactly how it was, you know, in the early 90s and everything. <laughs> right. But... I also, I'm also young enough to know what's going on right now. So I think um, I came in at a, into the coaching um, at a unique time where I could kind of bridge that gap. Between, uh, time between for sure. The two. Yeah, because um, even with parents, I'm able to communicate with parents to this day because I can tell them, you know, hey, I understand this is how you did it, A, B, and C, but now it's not like that anymore. This is what... Um, this is the way things have started trending and headed towards this direction now. So um, it's just kind of finding a happy medium between the two. And um, as you said, like um, with the coaching style, you know, I'm more laid back sometimes and mm-hmm. sometimes I'm more on the opposite end, you know, back in the day. Those coaches <laughs> firing were, up. Yeah, firing up and be all in your face. But I know you can't do that with all the kids nowadays. And, and it's just... No. You know. I, obviously, we know that, that, that we say times have changed or culture has changed and really think it's up to us obviously as coaches on how we how we want our culture right right so for me in the strength in the strength world and in therapy world it's let's be forward thinking coaches let's let's make sure that we are really educating kids and kind of give them what they want at the same time how are you able to relay let's have fun but we're here to work and we're here to we're here to not waste time. Well, I give them examples of guys who they strive to be or teams that they strive to be. And I kind of show those guys, hey, like, you know, it isn't always fun in games with these teams. You know, sometimes these teams are not joking and laughing and playing around at all. But there's a time and a place to joke and laugh and play around. But at the end of the day. Winning solves a lot, so you know a winner is always gonna joke and play after the game, you know. So that's kind of how I how I approach it with them, and they understand that you know the work that they put in now is you know gonna pay off for them it's later. Part of that process, right? Right. Like for instance, take the kid Jossie, as we talked about. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I was on him all year last year about being an everyday guy and coming in level headed and focused every day, ready to work. And now he's a 5 a.m. kid every morning, and now he's reaping the benefits of college coaches calling my phone every single day, you know, in regards to him, just because um, of the hard work and dedication that he's put into the game. 
you know, one of my coaches used to always tell me, be good to the game and the game will be good to you. So he's definitely that's the benefit. That's, that. that's, a, that's a good quote. Um, Giassi is well-deserving. Um, watching him from a sophomore into now, I mean, 180 degrees. It's just so many, so many different things. And when kids get a glimpse of that reality, like, oh, wait a minute that could be my future. You're telling me I could go to college and play basketball or I can go to college to play whatever sport. If I just do these little things and he's definitely, he's definitely seen that for sure. Um, strength training compared to, so what you saw over summer, fall, going into uh, the season, how comparable of what we did with you guys how comparable was it to a uh i guess from what you what you've seen was it comparable to a college program was it comparable to uh what program would you say that that fall fell under um i can say that the everything that we did this year it kind of correlated to the court um which in return that's why they're reaping the benefits of the things that they're um the product that you're seeing on the basketball court this year you know rather than sometimes on in some in your standard weight room programs like everybody's doing the same thing you know bench deadlift squat whatever right. it may be everybody's right right doing the same thing i think we did a good job this year of doing things that translated to basketball players per se rather than just a general weight room population and i think that is the translation between the collegiate level and the high school mm. level that mm. we had this year you know when you go to college you're doing basketball type lifts and everything um rather than you know, general yeah just in general um lifting and i thought that was the main difference and i i forgot to ask and this is just on me what is the injury rate this year um to be honest we've had one injury um, one injury. Well, I'll take that back too. JD got knocked upside the head uh, <laughs> one game, and blood was gushing from the back of his head. But and he had to um, sit out two games just because of the stitches. Right. Um, not so sure how the weight room can help that. <laughs> you know, not a, not but, a lot's gonna help JD there. Right. But um, outside of that, just one other injury. Uh, Austin Lewis. He had like a little hip pointer that he's mm-hmm. still struggling with right now, but he's playing through it. But I think um, our guys did a great job this year of getting their bodies prepared because I was just preaching to them all summer, like, hey, you yes. have to get your bodies ready for this this season that we're going to um, have this year because we are playing some really, really tough teams, and it's going to take a toll on your body. So, um, Which is a credit to, to you and your staff, though, because when we were there in the weight room with your athletes, your staff and you were there. So you've, again, set the expectations. You didn't step in. You didn't You let us run our training program. You, but you set the expectations that if I'm going to be here, you're going to be here. Right. And I think that that relationship, and one, you already set the standards. So they understand that that's, well, we're, okay, Coach Russ is here. Okay, we, one. And then two, that they know that you're there. Eyes are always on them. Right. Eyes are always on them. Um, and there's there's no there's no delaying there's no cheating there's no shorting on the reps there's no shorting on the movements everything was everything was a really good 
it was one of the teams I was really excited to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from stretching sessions to, I know they hated the ABCs on the wobble board, yeah. but it's all translating. All those small things from not being able to dunk to being able to like fully dunk, that's, it's those little small things. And I think that those kids really prepared and they did a really good job. Um, up and coming basketball players, who who do you see today, not just here, but just in general, in the high school arena, up and come, what are they doing on an everyday basis to make them that that standout, the outlier? Um, it's cliche, but just working hard, man. Like it, it seriously is. Like, um, I tell I had this talk with all my guys that want to go to college and play. I tell them, I said, imagine a ten or eleven year old kid thinking already that this basketball is going to feed my family for the rest of their lives. You mm-hmm. know, they're just taking it more serious at a at an early age. And as long as our guys can understand that, then they know that guys are constantly out here working. I mean, especially, I see it all the time, especially being so close to the AAU um, mm-hmm. realm of everything. You know, these kids are literally thinking this is my only way out. This is the way that my family is going to eat for the rest of their lives. And these kids are sometimes 9, 10, 11 years old, man. And that just shows the level of focus that they have on their perspective sport because they really, really do take it really serious. So the environment, yep. right? Mm-hmm. The environment between, let's say, this campus and then the campus up the road, mm-hmm. much, much different. But you're still able to pull that same hunger out of this campus than you are that you can that campus, which is, again, something that I look and I credit to you is just like, there's some privileged kids here, mm-hmm. and then there's some not privileged kids here, but there's a lot of not privileged kids up the road, and that mentality is like, this ball is going to feed my family. But you're still able to communicate to them, and they're still able to take that seriously. Even on the privilege side, they're still able to say, oh, I, I, I can take this to the next level, and this is real, just because I, I'm aware of my, my, my privileges, right. but I still am in hunger for it. Mm-hmm. You grew up not in Jacksonville. Right. You grew up in Atlanta? Yep, Newton, Georgia, Atlanta area. How much different was it growing up in Atlanta we're just talking in the again environment mm-hmm. and culture versus here in Jacksonville and seeing the like the kids. Um, the one thing that I can say here is, well, back home everybody was always in the gym, like always in the gym or outside playing somewhere, doing some type of activity somewhere. I think the city of Jacksonville, um, I won't say has to do a better job, but I just feel like the gyms and the rec departments and everything here need to be opened up to accessibility yeah accessibility for sure okay for the kids to be able to play because i mean when you're that young you get better just by playing and playing against older guys and everything like to be honest everybody talks about trainers and everything i never had a trainer growing up you know like all these all the kids that i grew up that's in the nba now that's playing now or played on the collegiate level we never had trainers basketball trainers growing up you know it was just we got out there and we just wanted to hoop and just play, play against, against each other right and better players you know right. so one thing that I do with our guys is um just so they can stay grounded and stay level-headed you know 
um, you know, with our schedule, we go up to Atlanta and we go to right. big-time cities right. and play against some of these teams. So just so they can see just how focused and, and you know, collegiate-ready a lot of these kids are um, when they step on that campus. So. The different levels. Right. The levels of commitment. There's levels of compassion. There's levels of focus. Um and I can see that this program, I mean, this, this is a baby. Mm-hmm. It really is. We're in its infancy. You are the first-year head coach, second-year head, uh, head assistant, but it's such a well-known program already. So what does that look like in five years? What does that look like in ten years? To, to, it's almost kind of scary because there used to be a dominance of one school always doing this basketball thing really well in the in the private sector but now there's this up and coming kid right who is taking over and this school is so young in itself it's like 15 16 years old um what you're able to achieve so early so young how is that keeping you focused and grounded like how are you wanting to reach that level right we're just reaching the next level um just really the job is never done like the job is never done we're right now in the midst of a state championship run trying to win a state championship but we haven't won it yet you know and then once you win a state championship then you want to win another one you know I always ask the guys one thing I ask them I say just how hungry are you you know because some people I always give them the 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 analogy of like the lion in the in the um wilderness. Mm. Uh, lion, they go out and eat, but at the end of the day, everybody else is still eating around them. So if you just relax for a second, then you know all your food is going off of the table. You know, so you have to continue to stay hungry and always want to get um eat and never get full, because like I said, one the moment that you stop and you're full and you don't want to eat anymore, somebody always passes you. And um, I thought this year we did a good job of relaying that message to the guys. And you can see some of that hunger that, they, that they've been able to, you know, exert out there on the court. Who, who is some of the young kids out there that are, are showing that hunger? Who, who do you feel like it just they haven't let it go yet where they're like, oh, this is what, this is, what it is? Right. Um, I feel like. We have a kid, Jalen Gilmore. (laughs) Jalen Gilmore, yeah. Really, really talented kid. And once that light bulb clicks for him, I mean, the sky is literally the limit. I tell him all the time, once the light bulb clicks, he can go wherever he wants to go. Um, He has a dream of playing high major basketball. Right now, he's not a high major player. But um, I just try to preach to him every single day the level of focus that he has to come in with every day if he really wants to be that guy because just being honest those kids that are going high major they just think totally different like their their mind and their wavelength is just a totally different path than than some kids cuz they don't understand how hard it takes to get to that level so yeah. i think once once the light bulb really clicks for him you'll see a really really good player not just a basketball player but you'll see a, a great young man agree, who's yeah. going to be is, successful to society. isn't it somewhat frustrating mm-hmm. to see like as a dad as a coach <laughs> right you see the potential and you're just waiting for that light bulb to yeah. go 
Right. Well, that- I, tell, I tell the kids all the time, man. I say the light bulb is gonna click for everybody. Just don't know when. Like you just don't you just don't know when. Whether you're 55 years old and you're sitting there like, dang, I had a shot to go to the NBA and I could have did X, Y, and Z. Or you know when you're 15, 16 years old and clicks and like, I really got a shot to do something special and you start taking it serious, and then you end up going to the level that you want to go to. So yeah, that's that's always been my message to the kid. Like whether it's basketball or whatever it may be, the light bulb clicks at some point in life mm. for everybody. Mm. Um, it's just you just hope it's sooner than later. You know, getting out of your own way a little bit, right? right. Um, how that's that's sort of I guess one of the things that male athletes have a hard time doing is getting out of their own way. I work with tons of female athletes. And one of the things that I've learned between the two, especially in the weight room, mm-hmm. uh, is the female athlete ha- almost has no ego towards another female. It's almost like I need to I need to do this for you. Mm-hmm. I'm I, they really she's trying to lift the way I'm asking her to for me, mm-hmm. so she can dominate. But she understands that if I can, if I can get this to do this and I can lift this weight, I'm gonna be successful because I was told that. Right. When it's a guy, it's almost like I'll, I'll, I'm not there yet, <laughs> I, right? There's that that wall, and we're still trying to figure out how to get them at that young age to stop that wall <laughs> and just let us do us, and then they can just fall into place and, and really flourish. Mm-hmm. Build that confidence early on. Um, the JV program, right? We're talking about young and flourish. And uh, there's a few kids on, I know Nate is, he's a good shooter. He's good basketball IQ, but who, and we're talking like these people know these names, right? <laughs> like right. Nate. Uh, <laughs> Nate, yeah, Nate, I know Nate, Nate down the road. Um, but, how how is the the younger crowd every year you're in the AAU and you're seeing how is that younger generation coming mm-hmm. do you feel like it's a longer process or do you feel like those kids are getting it sooner right. way more than I got it yeah like they man to be honest like it's not even just the younger kids like even in the NBA now when you look like those guys, I honestly feel like, you know, those guys are way more skilled than the mm-hmm. older players in the NBA. The older players, now, they're a lot tougher. I feel like they're a lot tougher way. than this generation. But Like the golden like the golden right. era versus right. five years ago. Right, exactly. I just feel like those, now it's just, man, like everybody has a trainer. Like everybody has a strength and conditioning trainer at such a young age. Everybody has a basketball trainer at such a young age because that's the new wavelength that everybody is on now. Mm-hmm. So those kids are just getting access to all those type of trainings and everything, you know, earlier. But on the flip side of that, I feel like it kind of hurts those kids as well because you have those kids that are just training, training, training. And they never go out and play against other guys and get tougher and get bumped around and play against the older guys and everything. So you mean pickup games? Right. You mean going outside and playing right. like how we used to play, right? I tell my um, girlfriend all the time, man. It's 
it's crazy that you can ride through neighborhoods and not have to slam on brakes for a ball rolling out in front of your car. Like that's I, so I, true. I can remember like 10, 10, 15 years ago when I was young. When I was younger, you know, riding with my mom and dad, you may be riding through a neighborhood and you just feel a sudden stop, and it's a kid running out chasing a basketball across the street. But <laughs> you know, you don't see those things any um, nowadays. So no, it's it's definitely different. Um, accessibility that was that's that's one issue right um culture that's the other one kids are indoors way more now uh whether they're playing video games or just not playing sports at all um the times of i think are are there's so much more accessibility for for kids as in resources for kids yeah the i got a basketball trainer i have a strength and conditioning coach um, I I play, but don't they get? Doesn't that basketball trainer put something only that one focus, right into their mind? That's a. I would think that that would be just more of a downfall than it would be. It, you can work on skill, mm-hmm. with the trainer, uh, and I and I I would suggest right if if someone says Coach Russ, I want I want you to train me, you're gonna give them some skills and you're going to give them but you also want them to go play mm-hmm. right and i think this is where i think u.s soccer is failing by the way we we structure too much mm-hmm. everything is structured really early on uh in the pickup games letting them letting them get the bumps and bruises letting them make the mistakes but letting them be creative with those new skill tricks that they just learned mm-hmm. right breaking ankles man you go to the basketball court and the blacktop that was a place to go you wanted to see something that i loved watching jason williams in and one tapes just because it was creative not as much as that could be applied to an nba setting but it was really just it was entertaining and it was showmanship and it was, it was super creative but those guys didn't have uh, trainers, they didn't have uh, access. They just played on the blacktop, right? Mm-hmm. They became really good at what they were doing. Mm-hmm. How do you see? Because I don't even obviously I'm not as involved in basketball, but how many, how many of those showmanship guys are in at the young? Are they are they doing that at a young age now, or is it mm, we're just gonna do these schemes, and we're gonna stick to these schemes? Um, I think it's more so, like you said, sticking towards those schemes. Like you said, because everything is just so structured right. nowadays, which uh, structure is good, obviously, but I think you got to have a happy the, medium. Yeah, the balance, right? The, yeah. The balance between the two. Um, like I said, with the kids just being access to all these trainers and, you know, um, not being able to go out and just try the new stuff, like you just said, that... Um, that they've just worked on and everything. So now you can dribble between the legs, but you never practice dribbling between the legs again. In front of somebody, somebody else, right. You know, and, you know, just being honest, like my nephew struggles with that right now. You mm. know, um, mm-hmm. He has like a basketball app that he's able to use on his phone. It like gives you different dribble moves to do and you have to like match the ball with the dribble move and, and so forth and so on. But... You know, now one thing that he has to do is go out and apply that against other kids and everything. And, you know, he's starting to get around to it. But, you know, hopefully that stuff will start translating in the long run. 
so I, it, it almost ties back to how we structured the program for the weight room. Mm-hmm. It has to translate. And that's the forward kind of thinking coach that I think that you are. Is like you're just you're just thinking like, listen, yeah, we're gonna do these games. I I like we need the structure, right? We need these set plays. That's what basketball is. But get creative in doing it. Mm-hmm. There's certain there's certain ways that you can twist and move your body to fake somebody thinking that you're gonna go this one way. Mm-hmm. But I think, and I again, I I'm gonna go back to my son. The movement off the ball is so much more important than what you have when you have the ball. Is that the same in in basketball where you're mm-hmm. feeling like your movement off the ball contributes way more right. than the guy with the ball? Right. A lot more happens off the ball, and uh, honestly, than with the ball. And sometimes a lot of kids, they don't know how to play without the basketball. So one thing that I try to do is I try to incorporate drills and things in practice where – they have to cut and they have to move and they have to get open without physically having a basketball in their hand. Um, and we've been able to see that kind of translate to our free-flowing offense, you know, that we run here at Bishop Snyder. Um, I know, for instance, you know, we're going back to the structure thing. That's kind of like the coaching style that I have here. That's why sometimes you see me up and yelling and doing everything, but sometimes you just see me letting them play sometimes because sometimes you have to find that equal medium and that balance to where, yeah, we're going to be structured, but I'm going to let you play too at the same time and not let you feel like... Let you figure it out. Yeah, yeah, let you not feel like you're just handicapped and you can't actually do anything, you know. So, you know, we have a free-flowing offense where those guys are able to move, move without the basketball, and, you know, it creates a lot of driving lanes and different things for our guys. We're going to go ahead and get ready to wrap this up. But tell me, um, uh, who is, so we're just going to go, I'll just run down this gauntlet of questions. Who is your favorite athlete of all time? Oh, man. Uh, it's tough. He, he just passed away. <laughs> oh, Kobe. Yeah, Kobe, Kobe. Um, oh, man, we don't even need to go into that one. That's yeah. a, that guy is literally on another on another level yeah the way i feel about kobe though i feel about tom brady as well Woo! so i love i just love the way both of their approach to their sports um and obsessive how hard they work. Yeah. a little obsessive right yeah. tom yeah. tom's obsessive with his work kobe was always obsessive with his work right. um yeah favorite food uh spaghetti Woo! I love, I love it, I love it, I love it. <laughs> um, favorite basketball team? Uh, I would have to say the Lakers by default just because of Kobe, but, but now that Kobe's retired and I'm older, I'm kind of not – I just kind of just watch basketball, basketball in general. Like I don't have a really a, like a favorite team. I just like enjoying seeing good basketball because I have a hard time idolizing a – 20 year old kid when I'm, you know, when, when, right. I'm old, when I'm older than him you know when you're younger I love the Lakers because I love like have a genuine love for Kobe Bryant right. he's my idol you know but now it's more so hey I and, like this and, kid enjoying, like enjoying kid. the like, game as a whole right he, he's pretty good this team is pretty good speaking of which who do you, what do you think of Zion 
Um, I think it's gonna be great. I think it's gonna be great for the NBA. I think it's gonna be great for New Orleans. They have a young um roster yeah. that likes to get up and down and they can play a style that fits Zion. Like he's not gonna be forced to do anything outside of just be him. You I know? I think that the the NBA is really lucky to have him and, and he is gonna be a huge asset to the game. Mm-hmm. Uh I've been watching I've watched the past five of his games. Mm-hmm. Or excuse me, four of his games. And I was like, man, he's a big kid who can move. Mm-hmm. It almost reminds LeBron esque, where he was, right. you know, stocky. But he's obviously he's bigger than LeBron, size wise, weight wise. Would it be crazy to you if I told you he was doing the same thing at like fifteen years old, the same as X stuff? So this is not new for him. Not new. So Zion, um, the AU organization I'm a part of is called Game Elite. And when Zion was 16, he played. He started with Game Elite. So okay. I've literally watched his maturation all the way through. And he was doing the same exact stuff at 16 years old that he's doing right now. How, how, uh, it, wow. Well, that says a lot. Yep. That says a lot. Um, favorite artist, music artist? Uh, Drake. Like Drake. Um, our last one is we already know that basketball is your favorite sport. Is there another sport that you wish you could have played or wanted to play, just did it? Um, to be honest, basketball, I it's crazy. I tell the kids this all the time. I equally love basketball and football the same. I'm actually like a football guy. Like, like I, the football, yeah, I I love football. Like anybody tell you I'm like the biggest Georgia Bulldog fan that probably is. Um, <laughs> I try to get like at least five or six games uh, a year, but um, I actually had better scholarship offers to go play football than basketball. I just chose to play basketball because I was five nine, 155 pounds, and I didn't want to get hit on. <laughs> like that. Right. So, um, yeah, it would it would be football definitely because I'm a big big football guy. Like I love football. What you never played it though? Yeah. Ne- did you? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I had when I was in high school. Um, I was an all state quarterback as well as an all state point guard. Had football scholarship offers to go to um, Air Force. Um, Vanderbilt was recruiting me. I went on a visit there. Um, had like Gardner Webb and a few more other schools, Furman schools like that. And then in basketball, I had like a plethora of offers as well. But I just chose to play basketball, man, because like I said, I didn't want to get hit <laughs> on for a career like that. Right. And um, you're thinking longevity. Yeah, I was thinking longevity. But, you know, just looking back on it, JU actually tried to get me to play both. They tried to get me to play basketball and football. But I just thought being a starting point guard. That would be too hard, right? You know, because you have to be able to study and watch film and do all of that stuff every day. So, so are you an advocate of playing more than one sport? Definitely, definitely. If you can, if you can, right. if it's in you and you can, then yes. Um, now, I'm not a fan of if you're coming into your ninth or tenth grade year and it's your first time going out for football and <laughs> you know you <laughs> right let's try it because like you want to try something different you know but if you've grown up playing different sports all throughout i definitely encourage playing both sports well you know multiple sports right. if you can if possible 
But as I tell everybody, like, for instance, I have two baseball players that play basketball for me right now. I tell them all the time, you have to be able to do both, though. You can't sell one of them short. So have to make sure your time management and everything is coming to play. Nice. You know, so you'll be able to do both. Fantastic. Um, I appreciate your time, man. Where Tell the listeners where they can look Coach Russ up at mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and pick your brain. Yeah, um, you can look me up on Instagram at Coach with a K, P 2 or the same thing on Twitter, Coach P 2 um, or you can look at uh, BJS Hoops. Um, that's the Bishop Snyder basketball page, and if you have any questions, concerns, or anything like that, you can always inbox me, and I'm always free to, you know, talk and give, it, give you any tips, advice, anything you may need. So. Awesome. Russ. Appreciate it, my man. Appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you to everyone who listened. I hope that you learned something from listening to Russ and I chit-chat about coaching athletes, youth athletes, female athletes, uh, high-level basketball players, low-level basketball players, and those looking to increase their game. Um, So for... Russ, we'll have Drake take us out. Later.